everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Flourish with Floriana. Registered psychotherapist qualifying Shauna Wallace joins me today in a discussion about how food and fitness have become a means of self-punishment. Founder and clinical director of Equilibrium Psychotherapy, Shauna's practice uses a holistic and trauma-informed approach to compassionately address which thoughts and actions around food, body, and movement are keeping individuals stuck. In this episode, Shauna highlights the importance of integrating food and movement in a non-judgmental, sensitive, and custom-tailored way. I will add a disclaimer here that you should not rely on any of the information in this episode as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And if you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or or another healthcare professional. I will add as well that we discuss disordered eating and exercise in this episode, so if those are triggering points for you, then I kindly ask that perhaps you don't listen, and if you do, then I hope you know that you have support, and Shauna is one of the many psychotherapists out there. I personally know her, and I thought it was a really important topic to discuss and bring on also a very great service to provide so if you would like to speak with her book a consult or even just maybe a one-on-one short talk you can totally do that and her email is shauna at equilibriumpsych.com you can also follow her instagram at equilibriumpsych and without further ado i hope you enjoy this episode okay so (laughs) Typically what I do for each person who comes on, regardless of if I know them or don't know them, I think it's super beneficial for you to maybe just tell everyone, quote unquote, who you are and what you do and a little bit of your working background and also kind of what made you want to get into the field that you're in. Okay. Yeah, for sure. You might have to remind me about the third question (laughs) because of my short-term memory (laughs) problems, but no problem. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Shauna Wallace and I am a registered psychotherapist qualifying. So actually I have all of my hours now. I just need to write my exam, Uh, but I am qualified, licensed, and Uh, I own a private practice and it's called Equilibrium Psychotherapy and I launched in January 2022, so very recently. (laughs) Um, And I am passionate about working with individuals that struggle with disordered eating, disordered exercise and body image. So that's really my niche and what I'm interested in working with, um, with individuals. But that being said, I also work with trauma a lot and a lot of times that ties into the disordered eating and exercise we can get into that in a second but there there's a a, the research shows as well there's a link and it it becomes clear even just in working with clients that there's a pretty strong link there Um, and then in the past I have worked at a couple different private practices more just general issues a lot of burnout workplace stress life transitions relationship family so kind of uh, the whole gamut, but I really do enjoy working with helping 
people heal their relationship with their body. That's really where I'm passionate about. So that is my focus. And I practice totally virtually. So over the phone and video and I'm, uh, yeah, doing that and loving it right now. That's awesome. I think that's so, so fascinating, especially because that particular program that you, you got into and that you're finishing now, I don't know when exactly I stumbled across it. I think a few months ago. I don't know why. I think I was just looking into counseling programs myself and I saw that one and I just think there's so much value in that field. And especially now seeing online how many people are really struggling. I'm not to say that they're only struggling now, but I'm just seeing it a lot more. And I follow certain psychotherapists as well. And there will be huge conversations in the comments section about traumatic experiences and and what to do and it's like I don't know it's it's there's such a huge need for it so I think you're I could uh, like I mentioned to you in one of our previous chats I couldn't even imagine anybody more suitable for this role because you're super kind and open and you give people the space to feel comfortable but oh yeah thank you no, no problem. Um, so I was going to ask what what made you want to particularly work with clients that, that have that are dealing with disordered eating and disordered exercise? And maybe yeah. if we can tie it to because I don't think people know that you're also a uh, fitness instructor, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So um, I knew actually for a while that I wanted to do therapy or I knew I wanted to be in some kind of helping role for a while whether that be social work counseling therapy I just didn't know exactly how to get there so once I found Yorkville and completed the program I was kind of thinking okay okay now what and trying to figure out what my niche was and having that previous experience with the perinatal postpartum realm and really enjoying I I do really enjoy working with women and in that realm but not feeling like that was um, fully the area I wanted to commit my whole professional self to Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just kind of thought about which clients were really like which issues I really felt super passionate about and were lighting me up and just making the hour fly by because I was so engaged and invested. Not that I'm not with the other issues, but just there's just those certain topics that just kind of light a fire in you, um, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And so in, in the past, just in my own personal life, I was always really interested in the body confidence movement and body neutrality and um, just, just how learning about how pervasive diet culture is and how it's so damaging um, to to all people, but really women and girls, I think, suffer suffer the most with that. Um, although I think, okay, historically, women and girls have been targeted, but I think men more covertly, their body image and tearing them down has been targeted in a different way, which we can get into as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I guess I was always interested in that, always followed accounts that were uh, talking about those movements, was always just kind of consuming material information that that talked about those movements and, and gave me information and starting to learn about health at every size and how 
BMI is really like a whole load of BS and just being like, wow, there's all this, all this information out, misinformation out there rather. And um, people are suffering and it's just not fair. I'm kind of having a bit of anger there towards that as well. But I think at the time I just thought, ah, oh, well, um, because I was putting myself in that space, I just felt like it was oversaturated. And of course, you know, imposter syndrome comes in and mm-hmm. you kind of think, oh, well, what, what, what good do I have to add to the space? And is what I have to say really valuable and the, the like the creeping feelings and thoughts of self-doubt come in. Um, but then But then I really, once I was looking for a supervisor that was in this area, I really noticed that there weren't a lot of people around that were specializing in this area. And that could be because they sort of lump it in with substance use and self-harm as just kind of a problematic behavior. But I really have been seeing the need for more, a more specialized focus on that. And there are um, professionals that I've been able to network with more recently who are kind of over Ontario. Um, but yeah, I guess I really noticed that there actually, yes, there is a need and, um, especially for professionals who are anti-diet culture, health at every size affirming. Um, and yeah, I'm, so I just decided to go with my instinct there and that's been, uh, it's felt like a really good fit for me. And I know this is a long-winded answer, but I'll go back and touch on the group exercise portion of that. I definitely felt like, um, growing up that I didn't really I wasn't coordinated at all I hated exercising like I never really felt like I fit into the sporty side and so I just sort of thought like well exercise isn't really for me and I think similar to a lot of a lot of people growing up through their teen years like struggled with body image struggled with you know where do I fit in not really feeling good about myself and then I found the gym and like just classes. And that was so fun to me. I love being able to go into a class and just um, escape from my day for an hour. And that made such a big difference for me and my mental health at that time. And that really carried over. And that's been like a saving grace for me going forward. But as I continued, I also noticed that there were just some habits that were starting to develop, like pushing myself past maybe what was feeling good for my body because Mm -hmm. I felt like I should always giving like a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent in every single workout, even maybe um, again, if I wasn't in having that capacity to give that Um, exercising when I'm injured, sick, that kind of thing. And really feeling like if I wasn't doing that, that I'm not doing enough. So I -hmm. noticed firsthand when that was happening. And so I've been on my own healing journey to fix that and then I really started to once I noticed I really started to look around at the other trainers the other instructors other members at at my gyms and and noticing that this is such a common problem and like there is such a fine line between healthy what is considered quote healthy um and then some of this dysfunctional and disordered behaviors that are that are coming up for for specifically athletes so that's why the exercise part is really something that I'm uh, super interested in and, and helping to kind of find that equilibrium, hence the name of my practice. Uh, yeah, that, I, I can actually relate with the, the, the exercise part of it, especially at the start of my own fitness journey too. You just want to, you, you kind of 
push aside what what feels right for you and you're you're kind of even trying to mold yourself into somebody else's fitness fitness regime or 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 ideal body or whatnot and unfortunately I'll never forget I had one experience where he was a male trainer and I was super young so obviously you're a young girl you're really impressionable at that time I think I was I don't recall, maybe 17. And anyway, we walk into the his little office and then he asks me, okay, what kind of body do you want? Who do you want to look like? And at the time, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that question. Now, looking back, when I think about it, I'm like, that's, it's almost the just that trigger point, you know, for everything to kind of go downhill because then you think, okay, this person's asking me what my body should look like. So I remember randomly saying Kendall Jenner for whatever reason. Mm. And he he pulls up a photo of her and then he goes, I'll, I'll get you that body. I'll do whatever I can to get you that body. But that's physically impossible mm-hmm. because the way somebody else's body is is meant to be and structured through their bones and their muscles and their own sets of hormones there's so much more there than just let's turn me into her that can be so damaging to a young girl's mind and a young girl's you know way way of seeing her her own self so I think this topic uh, we hear a lot about the disordered eating part of it and the diet culture and all that stuff but I don't think people talk about or at least in my circle or in what I've maybe um, read online I haven't seen enough literature on disordered exercise and how it can be super mm-hmm. just super destructive and and w- what even is healthy exercise what and what mm-hmm. is what is like what because what that looks like for you your exercise routine maybe it's just not right for me and, it, and it's almost this game of how do I or how does one know what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it can be so um, disheartening too and and misleading. Like when you tell me th- that story about that trainer, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through that experience. And so many folks have that kind of experience and it totally, A, either deters them from exercising altogether um, because it's mm-hmm. just, it is so destructive or B, it becomes about self-punishment and becoming someone that you're not as opposed to celebrating what your body can do. And so I think, you know, that really impacts your thoughts and feelings around, around exercise and your motivation and, and really can actually perpetuate the whole restriction, binging, purging cycle, um, even if you bring in, bring in the eating as well. So Ah, yeah, hearing that, uh, my skin was just crawling when you were telling me that because like what, first of all, what an unrealistic goal to totally. be someone else, right? You're totally. A, you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment, but B, why, why is that the goal? Like, why is it not focused around being a healthier version of you, like mentally and, and physically and exactly. like how to determine that, like that really can't be determined by measurements or or numbers necessarily 
No, 100% not. And it's funny because I don't even remember. It's not that I don't remember that happening, but it's only through certain topics of such as the one we're having where I'll get reminded of of my initial relationship with fitness and how it started. And yeah, so for a lot of people, I think especially as I can only speak on young girls because, you know, that's that's how that was from my point of view, a young girl. But I think uh, a lot of people don't grow up with with maybe healthy models of of eating or healthy models of exercise. And for example, too, I think it can be a, a little bit dangerous with so there's this exercise routine I do and I show it on my Instagram story sometimes and, and people will ask questions. But what ends up happening, I, I find is that let's just say I show what I do. Somebody else tries it and they're like, this is impossible. I just almost died through this routine and they start comparing themselves. And it's like, that's the one thing with, with being online, I find, or even just reading up online. How do I, I guess I kind of want to ask you from a, you know, a psychotherapist point of view, how do you help people find what's right for them or to not get discouraged by person A's workout routine and and getting that body like where do you even start because it's it's just there's so much there yeah there is there is so much and it can be so overwhelming and it can feel like oh where do I yeah where do I even start um but the, the question that I tend to ask clients that I think is very telling um and this can go for food too is you know if all movement burned zero calories then what would you find yourself doing what would you enjoy what would you do the most um and that might differ from your current current routine and that can also speak to your motivations behind it like oh wait a second am i running because i love running or am i running because it's really fueled by self-hatred self-criticism um and trying to ultimately change something rooted in changing my body size and shape um that's that's kind of what how I approach it because ultimately like the most successful exercise or movement routine will be one that's sustainable for you personally so Mm -hmm. you know say you, you you start some sort of workout plan and you're doing it every day seven days a week and it's it's super intense and you're you're feeling like, okay, I'm burning a lot of calories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But if you, you know, a hate the time that you're spending doing that exercise and B you get so discouraged that you end up just abandoning it altogether, um, avoiding exercise and avoiding any movement at all for the next six months. Like, is that really something that is benefiting you? Right. Yeah, that's true. And I actually love what you said about asking yourself, what would you do? Like, what would your favorite type of movement be? I I find to also add to that uh, something that helped me reframe my or just help help what helped me reframe this idea of fitness. It went from getting this ideal body that I knew one was not even healthy for me to have but I, I switched it over to the thought of, okay, well, what's like, let me move today because 
that's good for me. That's it. Like, that's just the sentence. It's good for me. I need to move around. I, it's not good for me to sit. So even if that means walking up and down the stairs, uh, every movement counts. It doesn't have to be a full blown two hour cardio session in the gym and you yeah. are pushing yourself to the point of wanting to throw up or something. Mm -hmm. and I, th I think it just, it's, I think it takes uh, a long time to get there because that's deeply rooted in the way you view yourself, the way you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people that's non-existent or just mm -hmm. super broken. And I, I'm just speaking from experience with the way I approach it. So if I miss a workout, maybe before a few years ago, if I did, I would be so angry, like, oh my God, why would I do that? It doesn't work that way though. It's not as, even if you were to miss a whole week or something, it's as yeah, long yeah. as it's just the way you, you speak to yourself. And I think that negative self-talk, it's, it's just such a, such a bad cycle and such a hard cycle to break. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah. Absolutely. And when, what comes to mind when you think of that, um, I was doing a training recently and they were really talking about becoming your own self-attuned parent. So, you know, being your own parent and hopefully you're a responsible, loving, caring parent mm -hmm. to yourself or trying to embody, embody that persona you know, what would you say as a parent to yourself if you missed a workout or if you're really sick and you're pushing yourself to go to the gym, like parenting yourself in that way, would you be like, yeah, you know what? You deserve to suffer and push through this. Or would you say, you know what? I, I think you actually need to rest and that would be best for you right now. So that's the other piece too, is really listening to your body day to day. And like, I tell this to my clients and I tell this to my members, um, you are not a robot and you're not meant to be a robot and you're not meant to be able to push yourself 110% in every single workout, every single day, because our bodies just don't function like that. Um, and especially with women, with our hormonal cycles being on that, you know, 28 day or, you know, 24, 29, depending on your own individual cycle. We know that there are physiological, um, physiological determinants with that that are out of our control that impact our, our, um, our performance. And so we know that, you know, for example, I think it's the week before your menstruation as well as during or like leading up you're more susceptible to injury mm -hmm. um and your energy level is going to be depleted whereas you know maybe earlier in your cycle you have more energy you can really um push push it in your workouts and maybe um later on during your cycle maybe you should be doing more uh you know like stretching yoga walking that kind of thing of course it's so individual but i just i think there's there's um, thinking about it that way, it really allows yourself to, to offer that grace to yourself as that self attuned parent and really noticing that each day is different from the last and you are allowed to flex and change and offer yourself permission to flex and change according to what your body needs on a given day. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's so true. It's, I know so many 
you know, girls in my life where when it's that time of the month or leading up to it, they still push themselves. And I used to do that too. And I remember my mom, she would just tell me, Hey, just take it easy. You're not supposed to like, just stop. And then I thought, well, no, I mean, I, because with the, that time of the month you have, you feel a little bit more, not only tired, but even just mentally, there are some hormonal changes and there's, there's a lot going on and, and you feel, I feel down. So it's, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of listening to your body. So let's just say, okay, I'm feeling down, but my, I can't put my body through a one hour cardio session or even a 30 minute one. Let me either go for a walk outside if I'm really craving some type of movement or because, or just laying down even, but sometimes just my personality, the way I am, if I sit down and lay down for too long, I get even more antsy and I get even more um, mm-hmm. just just upset. But I think it's just a matter of, like you were saying, having that grace and saying, okay, my our women's bodies go through the ringer every month. I mean, I think every week there's something going on, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until the moment we get pregnant, and then it's just like another roller coaster. So we we keep, as women, I just think we keep putting ourselves down and we want to be just this super human and super model of a woman, but we are in our own right. I don't think we need to just, just, just break our backs for, for what? I don't know. I don't know what we're trying to, to achieve this ideal body or whatnot but I think going back to something or tying your routine to something that's sustainable um Mm -hmm. is super is super crucial I don't know by the way do you deal with clients where um let's just say I mean just because fitness and and eating go hand in hand right so Mm -hmm. I guess what are what are their biggest struggles like do you see this common theme with with the two what's the most what's the biggest thing I guess you want to say so that way people listening can just take away and and maybe even go like oh like I do that too and you know so something that you just Mm -hmm. notice as a commonality amongst all of them yeah I think and I've kind of mentioned this but I think it, it makes me really really sad when I see um exercise being used as a form of self-punishment that's the biggest thing that I think I see and just the self-criticism that can come through um, as well because if you want it to be and if you work to that yes it does take a lot of work but it can be something that's so joyous and celebratory and you know hitting that warrior one pose or getting that uh um you know getting that I'm trying to think of the name of the getting the bird pose or, you know, getting that, that being able to hit that new um, PR or whatever it is. Like it can be such a joyous feeling and like the endorphins too. And, and so much fun, but it really can suck all the joy and life out of the activity in general um, when it's rooted in self-hatred and self-loathing and and self-punishment. And I, I, I see that. And I think, well, yeah, no wonder you're not wanting to work out. It makes sense because you know, if I had a voice in my head that's telling me, like, you're not doing enough, um, this isn't good enough, why aren't you running faster, you're not working out hard enough, oh, you skipped a workout, well, look, you're such a failure. Like, if those were the voices that I was hearing while I was working out too, I would also be avoiding it. 
too. Yeah. Um, and so I, and, and to touch on what you had said, I think just avoiding that all or nothing thinking, we create this kind of binary in our mind that I've got to do, um, you know, I've got to push it. I've got to do the most intense workout or otherwise I'm not going to do anything at all. And I've caught myself in that trap too, thinking, okay, this is the workout I had planned for myself for today, not really feeling up to it. So I'm not going to do anything. And I just kind of end up sitting there and beating myself up about it. But um, if you look online, you can see uh, there's a, a scale called the rate of perceived exertion. And I found this to be really help. It's very simple, but I found it to be very kind of <laughs> enlightening um, because it just goes through from one all the way up to 10, very light activity and what that might mean all the way up to max effort. So very light would be um, anything other than sleeping. So it could be watching TV, sitting in the car, so on and so forth, all the way up to, you know, moderate might be you can exercise for hours. So it might be just gentle walk or something like that all the way up to that max effort. So it feels almost impossible to keep going, completely out of breath, unable to talk. And I think that like it is a scale, right? So you don't always have to finish your workouts feeling like you're, you've given it a 10 and like according to your body, like it's okay to, to scale down and it probably is more beneficial, especially, you know, at certain points in the month to scale down. And that might actually be more what your body needs in that moment. So I think that's, that's something that that can be uh, a really important takeaway is just to allow yourself the flexibility and, and don't uh, uh, develop some awareness for when you are getting trapped in that all or nothing and see what you can do to to add a bit of flex and live in the live in those gray areas and get comfortable with that. Yeah, that's super helpful. What was it called? Rate of rate of exertion? Uh, rate, yeah. It's it's just online the rate of perceived exertion scale. So it's just a simple scale, but I find that that's kind of helpful. Um, and and just noticing that you know every workout doesn't have to be doesn't have to be a ten. And then and then with that as well, like noticing the function and benefits of different types of exercise. So I think it's easy too to get caught up in thinking the most intense exercises, the most intense workouts are the best for me. Well you know, on a day where you feel like you're not really in a good headspace on a day where you feel like you don't have much energy to get energy to give, is that the best exercise for you that day? Um, or, you know, maybe some light stretching or a walk might be might be a better fit. And the value of rest too, like even in, for example, high interval, high intensity interval training, you have that rest period for a purpose so that you can recover your body and you're able to train to that max capacity. And so knowing that, you know, you can't have one without the other, if you want to have a sustainable exercise routine, you do need to integrate that rest and recovery. Um, even just from a physiological standpoint, if you're still working on convincing yourself yeah. <laughs> on why you should, why you should treat your body with respect and kind of listen to it and tune into it. Yeah, I think also too what what is super helpful is despite that negative self talk that it's it's not as if people listening to like they listen to this and then tomorrow they're gonna have this great relationship with fitness or with eating, but small steps definitely help no matter how tiny it may be. And but when I say small, I mean to change that self-talk because yeah, that negative Nancy will be in your head, 
you know that moment after a workout you go upstairs or you're about to shower or whatever and then you take a like quick look at yourself in the mirror and it's so easy of course to look and think oh my god this piece of of my love handle is sticking out way too much I, I've been working out for months why is this still here like just nitpicking every surface of our bodies Mm-hmm. what good is that going to do? I think it's just taking away this expectation of what you want your body to look like, like get rid of that dream. And I put my fingers up to put these air quotes, but there is no dream body there. It's just, yeah, you might see somebody's and think, wow, that's unreal. But that, so your, your body's not there to be this place of Uh, just this superficial thing it's it's your it's getting you through life so what you the way you have to treat it is just to be treating it well and healthy instead of going back to that punishing piece you were saying but I think even just looking at yourself or even during your workout something that I like to do too if I'm holding my plank for an extra 10 seconds longer Mm-hmm. In my in my head to that music, I'm like, wow, look, like my arms, I'm so much stronger this time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 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 not as if you're gonna start hugging yourself at the end of every workout, but little steps like that, they do make a big difference in the long term. It's that the way you speak with it's the way you speak to you during the workout, after the workout. Don't just nitpick. And even if you catch yourself, if you have to just lie for a second and look at yourself and be like, no, you know what? This was amazing. You will get into that habit. It's just a matter of breaking that negative cycle. And yeah, it's hard, but it's, it has to start somewhere. Yeah. And I, I think a good place to start with that is I, I always find myself coming back to this phrase, body as an instrument, not an ornament. And I Love really that. like that. I like it because, you know, that speaks to what you were mentioning. Um, being in the gym and instead of necessarily fixating and letting yourself kind of go down that spiral and that rabbit hole of picking yourself apart in the mirror, trying to change your shape and size and basically not even allowing yourself to show up how you are focusing on what it is your body can do and, and maybe expressing some gratitude as well. And, and sometimes um, that, that gratitude can be a precursor for that self-love and self-compassion if it feels unattainable. Just, oh, wow, I'm really grateful that I'm, I'm actually able to come to the gym today and I'm actually mm-hmm. able to, to move. And I'm sure those of us who have been injured um, yeah. <laughs> notice it's like when you're sick or you're injured, you're like, oh my gosh, I took all those times for granted when I could actually do this, this movement or when I was able act- actually able to do this um, free of pain. Right. So yeah, those can be some pieces. And then as well, um, that looking in the mirror and and picking yourself apart, that jump, as you mentioned, from total negativity and criticism to positivity can feel so unattainable and out of reach. Um, and sometimes like there are protective factors to why that, that negativity is coming up, but even just shifting, trying to shift to neutrality as kind of a middle, middle ground, you know, like maybe, yes, I'm having a crappy body image day, but like, okay, can I practice some acceptance or, okay, look in the mirror. These are my legs. Yep. These are my legs and just leave it at that. And not necessarily letting yourself get to that part where you're picking, picking yourself apart bit by bit. Yeah. That's a really great point too. Cause yeah, like you said that, that I think it's a, you would be completely lying to yourself if you go from 
point A of self-destructive talk to, okay, it's rainbows and butterflies. It's not realistic, but just little by little, the gratitude piece is a, is a huge part of that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you just look down at your legs. Well, you look down, you say, I'm not in a wheelchair. I get, I get to work out. Similar, I, I, I follow this one guy on uh, Instagram. He's, he also has his own podcast, but he put out this post and I always try to say it to myself whenever it's to do anything, whether it's working out or sometimes even on those early mornings getting into work. And it's just about reframing it. So saying, I don't have to work out. I get to work out. And movement really is medicine. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's so many more important health outcomes than the, that outside appearance, your cardiovascular mm -hmm. health, incredible. You, you, you're the, you know, the, your risk of disease XYZ goes down. Like just, you, you read the science on it and, and that gives you even reason enough, you know, you're, you're helping yourself. And anyway, it just kind of goes, it, it's just about, I don't know, it's there, it, it's tough. And I know it, it sounds very difficult, but like you said, even just those baby steps into this space of neutrality for, you know, just, just pick one thing or maybe I'm really happy that I showed up today. Different realms of caring for yourself. So, you know, again, being able to um, really have that sustainable lifestyle and that sustainable routine. So yes, you can care for yourself by eating broccoli and you know it's nourishing for your body but at the same time maybe a piece of cake might be really nourishing for your heart and soul and maybe that's going to be nourishing in terms of celebrating a birthday party with your friends and family and so I think that um, again eating disorders are very uh, sneaky and they can slip in and disguise themselves as oh, I just want to make sure you're the healthiest as possible. And then a lot of restriction um, mm -hmm. comes in. And then you might have heard this term orthorexia. It's not actually a diagnosis in the DSM-5, but it's kind of this umbrella term to describe this obsession with only eating, quote, clean mm -hmm. uh, and, quote, good foods, which I despise those labels because food does not have moral properties and it's not dirty unless you're eating dirt. <laughs> but just this idea of, again, it's this all or nothing thinking coming in, right? Like, yes, you can be nourishing your, to your body and still have treats that, that make you enjoy life. Right. Yeah, and if you enjoy sure. the broccoli, great, but let that be because you enjoy it, right? You, you enjoy it. Um, and not because you're depriving yourself of other things that you would really want, which in turn would actually perpetuate the whole binge emotional eating cycle as well. Yeah, you're so, that's so true. It's yeah, a hundred percent. I think if you, the more you, I was just listening to another podcast a few days ago, the more you think about, so for example, you're really craving a cookie. You really want that cookie that day, but you're telling yourself, no, 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 no. I can't do it. He's bad for me. Whatnot. You are over <laughs> emphasizing this cookie now to the point where it's all you think about. And it's, it's, I just sometimes I just hear people, you know, with 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 really refraining from from at least snacking or giving themselves a treat here and there. And what ends up happening from my experience, from what I've seen, is that there will be a whole binge. There'll be one day, like one cheat day. Let me just eat whatever I want to eat that entire day. And then that my week will reset. 
But what would have been the difference? And wouldn't have it wouldn't it have been healthier if you just ate the cookie on the Monday, you had a piece of chocolate on the Tuesday, you know, here and there you sprinkle when you're craving what you're craving in moderation, of course, but as opposed to doing this one whole day, and I'm hearing it and seeing it a lot. And I think that's just so dangerous. Yeah. And it's this moral, again, it's this almost moral attribution to food. When you say cheat, like, I don't know what comes to your mind, but I'm thinking infidelity. I'm thinking like dirty little secret. I'm hearing guilt. I'm hearing yeah. shame. And like, is that really what we want to be attributing to enjoying food, enjoying our life and like right? integrating it in a way that feels good for us? That's so true. Yeah. And that's how they're labeled. My, our cheat days, these things. And it's the way we speak about our food is, 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 is actually really, it, it ties our relationship to it. So that's so true. I think a lot of people just see it as the good and the bad, right? As opposed to it just being food and it just being all of it being nourishing, of course, in moderation. I'm not going to be eating broccoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm going to spruce it up and have a, 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 maybe if I want a burger here and there, like, you know, it just, you, I don't know. I think this, this this topic to me is always just touchy and um, be, just because everybody is on their yeah. jer- own journey and I just don't want anyone to feel triggered or kind of lost or down if this is how they view food. So maybe we can just offer or you can offer because you're the professional uh, offer solutions to those who do have this negative relationship yeah. with food and, and label it as dirty and, and cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, first of all, it would be, we would be amiss if we didn't mention how normal that this is. Like, yes, we can sit here and say, oh, food should not be clean and dirty. But the reality is that um, it's, it's, it is how a lot of people live their everyday life conceptualizing food. And maybe it's a way that food feels safe to them and they feel like they're in control of it and it's easier to categorize it into that black those black and white categories um and i think it's important to mention too that there are people that are profiting monetarily off of people thinking this way so if you think this way it doesn't mean that there's anything necessarily wrong with you it just means that you're victim of this bigger scheme that's going on and you know people profit every single day off of other people um you know, not liking themselves and wanting to change their body and wanting, like, thinking about all the different, yes, I love workout plans and classes, but thinking really realistically about all the different um, workout plans, meal plans, diets, like all the diet books and magazines, look, lose belly fat fast. And in the same magazine, they have, here's how to make a five layer chocolate cake. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and there is, there is, you know, diet culture is like a probably trillion dollar business. So just to kind of normalize that for a second and say, you know, you're, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. It's, it's, you're a victim of something that's much larger and much more sinister that's going on. Um, and second of all, if you are feeling this way, there is a lot of shame and guilt around food and exercise. Um, and it might not be acceptable within your French circle or your family, or you might not feel comfortable bringing these things up. And so that's where someone like me would come in, um, a trained therapist. And if this is kind of the space that you're in, um, maybe searching for a health at every size therapist who, you know, is educated in um 
you know, anti-diet culture and, and what this is all about and um, the importance of advocating for your health, regardless of your size, which is another big issue we could talk about for, for hours. Um, or perhaps you're looking for more support around nutrition. And so you can also find health at every size dietitians as well. Um, nutritionists, uh, that will really be able to, to meet you where you're at. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I would, what I would recommend if you're in that space. Obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, influencers and social media people who, who are great at spreading this, this awareness as well. And so, I might also recommend diversifying your feed. Like if you're finding that you're on social media and you're just feeling a lot of that comparison and a lot of that um, insecurity around your body size and shape, maybe looking at your feed and, and thinking, okay, what can I, what can I change here? Do I need to add some health at every size dietitians that will sprinkle some, you know, funny TikToks and stuff just as a reminder for me to check in with myself or do I need to add some body positive, body confident, people who maybe look a little bit more like me so that I can, I can remember, oh yeah, it's not everyone that's, you know, this, this particular body ideal um, that except me. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, yeah, having people like you and professionals and those and people who are educated, I think that's a great first step because I, I think it'll take a lot of the blame away from the individual because I'm noticing with those that I know who suffer from eating disorders, I notice that, I mean, it's not the problem with the food. There's a huge wound deep within them that is not being resolved from which whatever trauma that may be that perhaps talking with a psychotherapist, it will reveal itself and they're using really food as a or exercise as a means of of punishing. And, it, and I just think talking with a professional is is uh, a necessity, really, because I, I think that's I don't want to say maybe the only way, but probably just the most safest and healthy way, because I think doing it on your own it's very difficult to, to to do it on your own, especially when there's this huge problem. But before I kind of I wanted to touch on one thing, it's essentially with with diets a question I, I wanted to ask because I'm seeing it a lot through keto and what are what are the other millions of diets I'm only the keto one is the one I, I know of the most right now but what would you say to somebody who is on a diet whatever whichever diet they're on and they tell you okay Shauna well I lost this many pounds and I've been great I'm feeling great why should I stop this? I'm, I'm eating my veggies, my whatnot. Only thing I'm not eating, it's sweets. And I've been doing this for two years. What, how do you tell them or what would you tell them to, to make them see that what they're doing may be harmful for them? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. And ultimately, again, I'm not a dietitian, so I would most likely be um, referring this individual to their doctor or a dietitian as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I would really be curious from a therapist standpoint, okay, you say this is working for you, but I'm also wondering, is there anything you're missing out on? Like by restricting yourself in this way, um, what are you gaining? But then are there also um, areas of life that you're maybe 
losing. Like, for example, you know, if you're having that birthday party with, with your kids and, and you're, you're that adult who can't partake in that cake and, and what, what does that mean to you? So that's really what I, I would be curious about. And also just the motivations behind, behind that diet. Like, is there a particular goal? Is the goal to be healthy? What does that actually look like? And how do you, how do you even know when you're at that goal? Cause I think it can be easy to fall down this slippery, slippery slope of, you know, okay, well I've done this. Okay. Now what? I need more. I need more restriction. I need more control. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, the way they measure that is really by what they see on the scale. So, you know, when they go on and they, and they check, they beat themselves up if it's not at a certain number that they want it to be. And yeah, I think just there's, there's a, there's a lot there. Maybe it'd, it'd be kind of great if they had a, you know, a, a dietitian in hand or family doctor to that refers them to a dietitian as well as a therapist, because I think what the therapist, the therapist can offer a, so much, a lot that the dietitian would not be able to probe about because this, mm-hmm. theirs is just mainly about the food. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I could really, I don't know how long I've been talking for, or we've been talking for, but I, yeah, I could talk to you about this for, for hours, but is there, I guess anything, I hope I didn't miss asking you something that's super important that you wanted to share um no I think I think we covered we covered a lot of great topics and I think one thing that just came to mind as you were talking and recommendations for people sometimes you know uh therapy can accessible therapy can be can be difficult for individuals to find for whatever reason um whether that's location or cost and so there are also a lot of really great self-help and guided self-help books um by various you know therapists or researchers and I know that um, a great place to start might be Kristen Neff she has a self-compassion mindful self-compassion workbook and that that might actually address a lot of the these other things that are coming up because really when I see this I'm seeing those things as kind of a symptom of something else that's kind of going on underneath that has been as you mentioned with the trauma that's Mm -hmm. likely been going on for a long time yeah. Um, I know also that Tally, I believe her name's Tally Rye. She's a trainer out of the UK and she has a, a book called uh, Train Happy. Mm-hmm. And she's very focused on, you know, movement as joy and moving your body in a way that feels good for you. So that might be a great, a great uh, starting point for an individual who's feeling like, you know, I want to dive in more with this. I need to do some self-reflection on my own and really kind of investigate what's going on for me. That's awesome. Maybe I can also link those link those resources too, because I think that would be super helpful. Um, Well, I I wanna I wanna make sure that people listening know where to find you. So you said your Instagram is at equilibrium is it psychology or at equilibrium psych? Yeah, so it's it's at equilibrium psych. So it's E Q U I L I B R I U M P S Y C K no, P-S-Y-C-H, sorry. I really had to focus while I was spelling that out. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, equilibrium equilibrium is, is like, it's long. It's, it's a, a long word. There's, there are a lot of eyes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Facebook um, or Instagram. And I have my booking link um, on my Instagram as well. Uh, if, if folks want to reach out to me via email, I'm just Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-A at equilibriumsite.com. And I'd be happy to set up an appointment or consult to to work together on these things because it is daunting and overwhelming but 
it's an area that I'm really passionate about. And I, uh, I've definitely seen a lot of success and change within clients. And it's so inspiring as well, um, you know, seeing how people can really, again, empower themselves to gain control over that sphere of their life and not feel like it's controlling them. And I honestly hope whoever is listening does reach out. I hope whoever needs the help or just assistance. I know maybe there's like some stigma sometimes with, oh, I don't need help. Just if you want someone to talk to as a starting point, I think Shauna would be a really great place to start. So I, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for that, that ringing endorsement. You're making me tear up here. That was so kind of you to say. I think, yeah, sometimes there's just, you always have this really bright energy about you too. And so when you, when you asked me to be on your podcast, I was so excited because I see you spreading that joy and positive energy to other people. And of course, I want to support you in doing that. So thank you so much for that endorsement. And and to the point about accessible therapy, yes, um, that's why I get excited about virtual therapy because you can have therapy in the comfort of your own home and it takes away that kind of power dynamic of having to go to someone's office and sign in and all of these pieces. Yeah, I think that's, I, I actually love how it's now virtual just because people who are listening from whichever province in Canada or even just wherever even um, doesn't matter they can they can quickly access it which is great but I will probably link where they can find you at all of your links so um, in the little description I'll I'll put into this episode but I want to really thank you for your time and sharing your knowledge because it's it will help somebody out there listening I just know it and that's truly the reason why I started this podcast so you're further you're, you're just further making it into something I've always wanted it to be. So I just thank you so much for, for, for giving that, that knowledge and, and support. You're so welcome. It was my pleasure. And thank you for your amazing questions and energy and yeah, some work supporting your community. It's really inspiring and moving to see like the safe, non-judgmental community that you've created. I think a lot of people don't have that and that can mean the world to someone who's really having a tough time so thank you thank you so much that's so sweet of you to say thank you I really appreciate it and um yeah I will chat with you soon and hopefully see you sometime in the future just because we will be in the same city so I'll I'll chat with you later of course anytime okay bye bye